Thank you, band. You've done really well. Give these guys a big clap. Good job. Good job. Good job. Anointed, passionate worshippers leading us in worship. It's a great thing. Um, I'm, I'm wanting to just spend a few moments tonight, uh, first of all, recapping on it, on something I shared this morning at church, and then I'm going to kind of bounce out of that. So this morning I shared a, a message called A New Era, and no, it's not about state of origin in spite of my wife's insistence over there. Uh, really, it's, it's about a, a sense of a new era for our church. And God's spoken to us through prophets, and He's been speaking to us about this new era and what it involves. Uh, it involves uh, a new mantle, national and global influence, an increase in the miraculous. Uh, I mentioned this morning, and some of you, who, those of you who are at the Vision Builders Gala, would have heard Pastor Phil um, announce that Danielle and I have, have been asked to be the global executive directors for C3, uh, which means kind of like a 2IC role for Pastor Phil and Chris. Uh, in C3 Global and, and helping oversee the global team, which is a great, both terrifying and a great privilege simultaneously. So I appreciate your prayers for us. Uh, no, it doesn't mean we're going anywhere. Uh, we're that's based out of here and this church. And that, that just means it's a promotion for our church. This is a, a leadership church with leadership influence in the kingdom of God. And uh, one of the, the part of that prophetic message was that we would have global influence. And I see that happening for us more and more. I want to read a scripture out of this because I'm going to bounce out of this into tonight's message. But it's just a recap that you, I'd encourage you because it's a word from God for our church to listen to the podcast or go and check out the YouTube from this morning. But really the, the verse that God gave me is in Genesis 13. 35, 11, and 12. And it says this, Then God said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. Sorry, guys, I didn't give it to you as a, as a heads up. Be fruitful and multiply. This is Genesis 35, 11 to 12 in the NLT. You will become a great nation, even many nations. Kings will be among your descendants. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. And I will give you the land I once gave to Abraham and Isaac. Yes, I will give it to you and your descendants after you. And really, I picked up on six key thoughts out of that. And I'm just going to give them to you real quickly. The first one was El Shaddai, God Almighty, talks about the miraculous miracle working God. And this new era for our church includes a greater level of the miraculous in your life and in my life and in our life together, that the power of God is a calling card of our church. That's why we're doing this conference called Powerhouse, because this is a place we want to see the miraculous released in everybody's lives. That's the first part. The second one, I'm just going through quickly. If you like what I'm saying, you can just say amen if you like, or, or whatever works for you. Okay, the second one, be fruitful and multiply. Really, this is about an increase of salvations in the life of our church. There we are. Be fruitful and multiply. And so that, that means for you and I, continuing to see people come to Jesus week in, week out in our church. We've seen around 220 so far this year. People come to Christ in the first half of the year. We are aiming to see 500 come to Christ this year as a stepping stone to 1,000 in a year. And then one day our dream is on one amazing weekend across multiple locations, 1,000 people would give their lives to Jesus Christ in our church. That's the dream. All right, be fruitful and multiply. Then it goes on and says, you'll become a great nation, even many nations. And to me, that talks about this church, uh, this church becoming a large, influential church on the Sunshine Coast, but not just one church, but actually multiple churches. And we've we've been setting a goal, and, and again, out of what God's been saying to us, to have 10 locations across Australia, uh, that, that there would be six across the Sunshine Coast from Caboolture up to Gippie, uh, but then we would also have multiple other uh, national um, locations 
locations in different places around Australia and we've determined that in August at our Dream Team United we're going to share uh, 10 or 12 of what we believe are the potential locations that God's given us as a church including the first one that, will, that we believe will start next year that came from a powerful encounter I had at present so just stay tuned okay stay tuned but that's what's going on here so uh, that we will okay you'll become a great nation even many nations then kings will be among your descendants and I'm going to kind of come back to this in a moment kings will be among your descendants and then the next one is uh, I will give you the land and so that we've, we've seen the vision for the land we're believing God to sell rainforest drive uh, the land that we own right now 30 acres uh, in uh, Meriden Plains for five million dollars God's spoken to us about selling it for five million dollars I'm pretty much crazy because it's worth uh, about a third of that but the Lord's spoken to us about it selling for that I've seen the sold sign so I just we just made a decision that secret faith is shallow faith so we're just going to keep declaring what God's shown us and we're going to see it happen together so that's the first part we're selling that we're going to buy land and we believe it's power road for eight million dollars we're going to build nationally significant buildings uh, debt free for 10 million for, for 10 plus million dollars and then out of there as we start locations in the future i believe for some of those locations we're going to buy buildings cash as we launch those locations for the glory of god I will give you land. That's part of the prophecy. Uh, also, just before that, that particular scripture is, is God to uh, Jacob, and he's making a promise to Jacob at the start of it. And he says, and I'm going to give you a new name. You've, your name's been good up until now, but now you're going to be called Israel because you'll be a, a father of many nations. And, and I, uh, we feel like over the next six months, because we are going to be moving from Kiwana Waters to another location. And so to be in another location, but to be called C3 Kiwana Waters would be weird, right? So uh, we feel like we not just that, but we also need a name that we can use in every one of our locations so that wherever you go, there'll be a theme name. So it will be, you know, it'll be like C3 Teresa at, at Kiwana or C3, what, you know, that won't be the name, just a heads up, okay? But we're just praying about what the name might be and, and what, what God's got for us that would both attract those who aren't in church, but also be a description of the assignment that God's given to our church and it would, re it would resonate. So over the next six months, we'll talk more about that so these are part of a new era for our church and the one I want to talk about tonight is this idea of kings will be among your descendants and I believe part of the new era for our church is a, a raising of the influences within our church into the, every sphere of society I believe that God's put an assignment on our church to raise up entrepreneurs and influencers. When I read the word kings, it's not like just male royalty, but it's actually entrepreneurs and influencers who will in impact not just the church, but out of the church will impact the city, the nation, and the nations. And so I'm speaking to, if you like, a, a sense of what God's called us to. And many over the years have talked about spheres of influence, that there are seven different spheres of influence, or some people call them seven pillars of society. Some people call them uh, the seven mountains of society and the first one is the church the church is the chief mountain the church is the main mountain and out of the church comes the influence into every other sphere and, and so that's what God's called us to do so these other spheres are family so out of the out of the church it flows into family family is the core unit that societies are built upon then out of that the other spheres in no particular order are government so those who are in public service serving the public and whether that's in in the health industry whether that's in the justice industry 
whether that's uh, in law enforcement, whether that's in the governmental political sphere. That's a sphere of society that God wants his people to be front and center in. Okay, then there's education is a sphere. Media is a sphere. Art and entertainment, which would include sport, is a sphere. And then business is a sphere. Okay, and all of these are uh, spheres of influence that God's called us to have. Not, and, and so part of my commitment for us, particularly as we go into a new era, is, is we're always going to talk about our relationship with the Lord. We're always going to help one another um, grow in our relationship with Him, in our worship of Him, in our love of Him, in, in hearing from Him. We're always going to talk about, about finding the gifts that God's given us and ministering out of those gifts to one another. And we're going to talk about how we can lead our friends to Christ. But out of these things, we're not just, we don't just want to talk to the devotional life that we have, but we also want to speak into the vocational life that God's called us to. We don't just want to speak about what happens on Sundays. We want to speak about what happens on Mondays and through the week. And so that's part of, of if you like, raising up a, a generation and armies of entrepreneurs and influencers to every sphere of our society. And so that's the, the concept tonight that I want to launch into this message that I'm going to do over two Sunday nights called Giant Slayers. So next week is Nick Gibb. She's going to be amazing. Bring your friends along to hear her story. But I want to talk about this idea of giant slayers. Turn to your neighbor and say, I think you're a giant slayer. And then just wrap it out because you're a big prayer. Okay, sorry, just uh, had to do that. Uh, so, all right, so I want to talk about the making of a giant slayer. David, uh, King David in the Bible is one of the great kings, all right? He was one of the great kings of Israel. I can see there's a few of uh, my rap appreciators in the congregation. Even when I did that, there was some smile, some encouragement about that. So thank you so much for encouraging me in one of the, one of the, the spiritual gifts that God's given me. That's uh, all good. Well, I don't get a lot of encouragement from my children, so I appreciate it coming from church here. Um, although, did you see, that was like that. You were flowing in my gift, son. That was awesome, that whole vibe that's going on there tonight. <laughs> Uh, we should have wrapped together just for a, just a, a, a anyway. All right, all right. So here we go. So we're talking about the, the making of a giant slayer. All right, the make. So David became uh, he became one of the most famous giant slayers, and he slayed Goliath. When the Bible talks about giants, it's talking about uh, it's talking spiritually about spiritual demonic opposition that we'll face in our lives. But it also talks about the problems or the mountains or the obstacles that we'll face that will try and intimidate us into going into God's best promised land for us. And you find after David killed Goliath, uh, it goes on and lists a whole lot of mighty men who followed David, and they became giant slayers. In fact, David became a, the first of his generation to become ones who are great overcomers. And so the journey to David becoming a significant king, and that's the context of this, that kings will be among the descendants in this house, so to become great influences into every sphere of society is learning. I want us to backtrack and go, well, what made David a great giant slayer? Because it was him slaying Goliath that set him on a course to be a king, all right? So we're just going to take 15 minutes right now. We're going to have a look at these things. And so let's have a look in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 11 to 13. In the New King James, it says this, And Samuel said to Jesse, Jesse was David's dad. And, and Samuel's come along because God said, I want you to appoint and anoint the future king. And so he lines up all his sons and he's going along and, and, and Samuel goes, this guy is awesome. He's, he's, he's handsome. Surely this is the anointed. And God says, no, I don't look at the outside. I look at the heart. And he goes, okay. So he keeps going down the line and he goes, there's no one. Okay, Lord, what, why did you send me here? It's not one of his sons. So he says to Jesse, are all the young men here? 
And then he said, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. Uh-oh, forgot about David. David's actually out in the field, forgotten about. And, and it's interesting, uh, if, if you study this a little bit, you can get the concept that quite possibly David is a result of an affair that his father Jesse had. Because in Psalms, David writes a scripture and he says, in, in iniquity I was conceived. And so you might put this thought together and also goes on and says he's a ruddy-faced kid and, and, and he, he doesn't necessarily fit the picture of his brothers. And so in one way, David's trying to, uh, it's, uh, Jesse's trying to keep uh, this sort of mistake, this reminder of something he'd done wrong out the back and he doesn't even bring him into what was a very significant moment when Samuel, the man of God, comes to visit. And it's like he's, he's putting him aside and saying, I don't think my son really could be worth something significant for the future. But I want us to know here tonight that when it comes to being an influencer and fulfilling God's call on your life to whatever sphere it is, your identity doesn't come from the womb of your mother. The identity that you have comes from the one that you worship. The identity that God's got for you comes not from your first birth, but your second birth. Not from the birth of your parents, but from the birth of your heavenly father when you got born again or when you get born again. Suddenly you get a new identity. Suddenly God gives you something and you don't have to live in your father's footsteps or your mother's mistakes. You don't have to live under the generational curses that's come from your, from your forefathers. You don't have to live under the shame of those who have gone before you. God comes and he gives you a new identity and he says I look past the outside and I look at the heart and you might be sitting here tonight and you're like oh what do you mean a new identity well that's what being born again is all about that's what being a Christian is all about it's where God comes and he says you were born to your natural parents and you got a whole lot of your human identity and your looks even from them but then he says I want to give you a second birth where you're spiritually going to be born again and become a new person and this time I'll give you a spiritual DNA that comes from Jesus Christ himself and you'll get born again and suddenly you'll become a son or a daughter of the Most High God. Suddenly, inside of you will be beating the very heartbeat of God. And you won't be this, this person trying hard to be a better person. You'll become a brand new person with the Spirit of God living inside of you. That's what being born again is all about. Later on tonight, at the end of this service, just in a few minutes, I'm going to ask, and maybe you've never made that decision to invite Christ into your life. But in one moment, one prayer, one decision, you can change your destiny by accepting the identity that God's got for you by being born again of His Spirit. All right. Anyway, that was just a detour from my preaching. Come back to David. Okay, so, so there he goes. Okay, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. Samuel said to Jesse, send him and bring him for we will not sit down till he comes here. They're not going to have the meal till he comes. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy. He didn't fit the picture of the other Israeli boys with bright eyes and good looking. Give me a yell if you can relate to that. Oh, that was a big moment for someone to, yeah, come on. Come on, work with me here, please. All right. Okay, and what about if you're beside someone good looking? All right, just, just stay, stay with me. And the Lord said, arise and anoint him for this is the one. 
Arise and anoint him, for this is the one. If you're going to be a, if you're going to be an influencer, if you're going to be an entrepreneur into a sphere that God's called you to be in, wherever that sphere is, beyond the four walls of this church, you're going to need an anointing that comes from heaven. You're going to need something from God to get on your life, because it's not just enough to be gifted. There's got to come an anointing, and an anointing comes through, through two particular ways. An anointing comes by by the who, your worship and being in the house of God and being planted in the house of God and as you just keep putting yourself in, in, in a place where God dwells then you'll find an anointing that's on that place gets on your life and then separately you get an anointing through prayer and worship and the word as you dig the, the dig the wells of God in your life you'll find the anointing that you need for whatever sphere you're called to will come into your life all right, so that, that's, that's the, the, the first area. So just a couple of thoughts I want to give to you out of that scripture, particularly about David. The first is, David is out the back looking after his father's sheep. All right, he's out the back looking after his father's sheep. Later on, we find out that David actually, um, in the looking after his father's sheep, he actually encounters a bear that's coming to try and steal some sheep and a lion that's trying to steal some sheep. And David, as the shepherd boy, looking after these sheep, although he could have gone, oh, it's a lion, that's just another sheep, just get it out of here. He actually, he says later, I destroyed them. There was an anointing on me because David was a worshiper. And he said, I destroyed them. God helped me to defeat the lion and he helped me to defeat the bear. Later on in his life, when he faced Goliath, who was another more intimidating, uh, intimidating uh, mountain in his life, he, he reflected back that there was this season in his life of obscurity where no one could see him, where no one knew what was going on in his life. In fact, he was out the back forgotten about, but there was this season of obscurity when he killed a lion and he killed a bear under the anointing of God. And what he did in a place of obscurity set him up for his future. And I want to tell you today, uh, sometimes people go, oh, I'm waiting for my big break where God will give me my big break and he'll open the doors to my future. But the reality is the way God prepares you for your future and influence and significance as he puts you out the back where no one can see you, he puts you out of sight and he wants us to see how you handle what he gives to you in terms of responsibility. And so one of the, the key things in terms of becoming an influencer of the future is understanding that the doorway to be an influencer is actually learning to look to serve someone else's vision. It's actually, this, this, is, this is the way of the kingdom of God. God will put you in someone's life. Now, I'm not talking in church. I'm talking in someone's business, in someone's, in someone's workplace, where you're responsible for something that's not directly yours. And he'll position you there as a training place for you to be prepared for your future. And he'll put you in a place where he's developing character in you. Oh, I said the character word, I know. He's looking for a place where he'll develop discipline in you. He's, looking for, he's putting you in a place where, where, where no one can see except God, but he's actually testing and preparing you for your future. This is the way he works. And so for David, it would have been so easy to go, flip, that's a lion, that's a bear, they're not my sheep. Hey, uh, surely if they just take one or if they just take two, they'll be fine. I, I, I'm not going to put my life on the line. But David put his life on the line to solve a problem for somebody else's sheep that didn't even belong to him. 
And one of the keys to developing and getting God's blessing and anointing on your life and promotion wherever God positions you, because this is really what I'm wanting to help us understand. God wants to prepare you for promotion wherever he's put you in terms of whatever sphere he's put you. One of the keys to understanding promotion comes from this is whether if you can be a problem solver. Can you be a problem solver? Can you turn up to your work? Can you turn up to your school? Can you turn up to to the the sporting club that you're a part of, the sporting team that you're a part of? Can you turn up uh, in in some environment and and see that there's a problem and not have a, oh, not my problem, not my sheep, but actually go, I know that the owner's left me here to look after this right now and I'm going to treat it as if it's my own I'm going to put my life on the line for this and I'm going, to, I'm going to get an anointing on my life for this particular area even though it's not for my direct benefit. I'm going to do this because somehow this is preparing me for my future even as a young teenager, even as a 20-something year old. I remember my first job out of university, I moved from Toowoomba to, uh, to Victoria, Lang Lang, Victoria, Nyora, Victoria, population 200, Lang Lang had, uh, 201 when I turned up. The sign was there and I, we went to 201. And I began to work in an oilskin clothing factory, like a dryer's bone factory. And uh, it, it, like that's, you know, those oilskin coats that people put on, et cetera, et cetera. I actually, my modeling career, which was very short-lived, uh, was, was started at this particular company. They needed, okay, there was 50 ladies who sewed and about three men and they needed a guy. And so I put the oil skin coat on and got a photo and I'll, I'll show it to you one day. It was actually in brochures right around uh, country Australia, all right? Country Australia. Just, just that's just, oh no. I'm like, what? Someone found it? No. I, I tried to find it for you, but, you know, anyway. So just that, that's just a short-lived part of, of my life that, you know, I try to keep under wraps and keep out of the media and stuff like that. Quite embarrassing, really, but anyway. Uh, and so I went to work in, in this company, and, and although I was fresh out of uni, 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 I was about 19, 20 years old, and I just I went in with this attitude that this is, I'm going to treat this like my own business. I'm going to look after this. I'm going, to look out, I'm going to look out for this. I'm going to put my energy into this. I'm going to do what I can. The crazy thing was after one year, there's about 50 or 60 staff, the owner up and left, moved to Queensland, and as a 20 and 21-year-old in those, that next 12 months, he made me the manager of his business of 50 staff. It was insane. And so I, I've, I experienced this, and his son was one of the staff members who was about eight years older than me. And I experienced uh, so much growth in this period, and really it just came because I, be- I became a problem solver. I went in with one job description, and I came out with about six job descriptions, because wherever there was a problem in the organization, I made it my goal to see how can I be part of this. I, I would be out the back uh, helping when we, we needed extra staff in terms of doing manual stuff and packing stuff and boxing stuff. I'd be in the office doing accounting, then I was doing marketing. This is all before there was a website. That's uh, things such as on the line. And so I was, I was doing all that kind of gear, and it just happened by a matter of, of treating this like my own, and finding ways to solve problems, the promotion came my way. And I want you to understand that, that promotion's not, you know, sometimes it can be about someone having favorites, but more often than not, it's just people who turn up, who are consistent, 
who turn up on time, who turn up early, who stay not just not when work finishes just at that moment, but stay lo- as long as it takes to get the job done, who have an attitude of how do I, even if I don't like my boss, whether they're the owner or not, how do I make them successful? How do I avoid the politics of the company? How, how do I get aside from gossip? How do I elevate people and speak the best of them? How do I make my managers and their managers look successful? And all of that is an attitude of excellence and an attitude of ownership and it's an attitude of excellence an attitude of ownership. if you become a problem solver you will find time and time again God will promote you and with promotion the bonuses comes comes all sorts of benefits with promotion as well as responsibility but with, but, but with that you'll find and this is what this is why I'm saying this I believe God has got an assignment for people in this in this church to increase in the influence that he's got for you both in the, in the business world and beyond government uh, political uh, media sport all sorts of areas but it comes from this attitude of David leaning in leaning in I'm trying to be practical here for us tonight be a great problem solver serve someone else's vision is the foundation for your future if you can get if you can get this vibe I pretty much uh, for, for Dan and I that's that's pretty much what we're doing this new global role for us is a privilege where we're just we're continuing to serve Pastor Phil and Chris's vision are continuing to say, can we solve problems for you? What what's going on? How do we how do we look after this movement for yours? And we're making it own our own, and a great level of ownership comes in. You'll find in the kingdom of God, time and time again, it worked like this. Elijah comes along, and he's God's man in that hour, and so then God says, the next guy's Elisha. And so Elisha's job literally is to to pour. This is what it describes: to pour water on his hands, to wash his hands. It's to look after him. Uh, that, what happens for David in this story, which is quite crazy, is after a while, Saul gets afflicted. And I'll just jump forward to this. Saul gets afflicted. He's getting tormented by demons at night. Uh, and they say, we need, a, we need someone who's anointed and got excellence to come and play music to get rid of this spirit that's tormenting him. So someone says, we know just the guy, David. just beautiful I hope you're not feeling tormented tonight but if you are there's an answer so they go and get this they go oh well, what? It's, he's tormented he's tormented we need someone who's anointed and excellent someone who can come into the king's courts who's a natural worshipper who carries an anointing on his life and who's got excellence in fact, Proverbs, David's son wrote this. He said, do you know a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. Influence comes from excellence. Excellence comes from hard work. And so David developed excellence in music. Watch what happens. He's faithful with his father's flocks. He's, he treats them like his own. He, be, he becomes an overcomer. He becomes a problem solver and God anoints him for the next level of influence and to prepare him for the next area of influence, he gets him inside the king's palace. Not to become the king, but because he knows there's going to become a day where he's going to become a king and his mentality is a mentality of a shepherd boy, but God needs to give him the mentality of someone who lives in a palace. So he takes him out of being a shepherd boy because he's passed the test 
of that season. And he prepares him for his future by positioning him to serve the king. Not a good king. But he uses him to serve someone who's not godly. And he uses that to prepare him for his future. Don't be too quick to run away from a job that's uncomfortable where you feel like you're a little persecuted because just maybe it's a place that God's positioning you and you've got to pass some tests in it before he will elevate you to the next sphere. And when you're elevated to the next sphere, sometimes it might actually look worse than the last sphere. But it's God saying, okay, you learn how to, how to thrive in the paddock. Now I'm going to get you to learn how to thrive in the palace. Oh, that, that'll tweet. That was just awesome right there. Sorry, I'm just, come on, come on. Help me, help me out right now. Help me out right now. In the palace, you're there. It becomes the king's armor bearer. That's the pattern of the kingdom. Serve someone. And in your successful serving of them, you're not just making them successful, but you're going to make yourself successful. Serve the king, serve your boss, serve your, whoever it is that God's positioned you around. In the house of God, the same principle applies. Serve your leader, serve your department leader. Just be in and be all in. And you'll find in the doing of that, God's preparing you for your influence, for your sphere, and for your future. Get excellent and serve and make someone else successful. Can we close our eyes here tonight? Father, I thank you for your presence here and I thank you that you're preparing a generation of kings. Kings will be among your descendants, a, ge a generation of influencers, a generation of entrepreneurs, a generation who will rise to the top of every sphere of society and influence it for good. And I'm asking tonight, that by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I'm asking that vision's going to get dropped into people's hearts, even as I'm talking, even as we're talking tonight. Lord, that people will not dream small, but they'll start to dream bigger. They'll start to see bigger and further, start to see the assignment that's on their life for influence in every sphere of society. Father, I pray even tonight, as we're talking, that there would be a, a resonating in people to lean in to their season that they're in right now, whether it's a season of obscurity, whether it's a season of promotion, whether it's a season of testing, but there'd be a leaning into the season that you've got them in right now, preparing them for their future. Let us have pure hearts, respond well to every trial and every adversity. I'm asking it in the name of Jesus. All right, we're good. Church, you can open your eyes. Why don't you stand to your feet? Your giant slayers in the making.